1: This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 65, and we are recording on January 16th. I'm Amanda Nelson, and I'm here with a special guest, Rachel Smolter-Hall. We are coming to you from Book Riot. Welcome!
0: Thank you! It's so good to be here.
1: (laughs) So Jen is in Canada this week uh, doing some sales meetings with our uh, sales team. So she is out, and I've asked Rachel, who is one of our editors, to come on, and uh, she's our Audiobooks expert. She writes our audiobooks newsletter. Um, and so she's going to do this episode with me, and every question is about audiobooks. So if you have yes. any sort of need for audiobook recommendations, this is the show for you, jazz hands. Um
0: This is especially exciting because I often sneak in audiobook suggestions from behind the scenes when there are audiobook questions on the podcast. So it's fun to be in front of the curtain today. <laughs>
1: Alright, so if you are new to the show, uh, like I said, this is a reading recommendation show, so if you have a reading recommendation request for yourself, your book club, a gift you want to give someone, uh, doesn't matter, you can send it to us, we'll answer it on the show. You can email those to us at getbookedatbookriot.com or you can drop them in the, show, uh, the form at the bottom of all the show notes on the site. Um, If your question is super time-sensitive, please note it in the subject line or in the very first line of your request um, so we can get to it in time. We do email respond to some people if we don't think we're going to get to your question in time or if the question is already being answered on the show. uh, We'll email you our um, responses so that you don't have to sit around and wait for us. And that is how it works. Okay. Um, So I'm going to read the first question, and then we'll do our first sponsor, also me, and then we'll get right into our recommendations, probably also me, so I'm just going to Keep talking. Get used to my voice. Okay, the first question is from Kelly, who says, I am in need of some recommendations for my husband. His interest in reading is fairly new and has really taken off since I've introduced him to audiobooks. He's interested in hard sci-fi, sci-fi, and thrillers. He's consumed everything Cory Doctorow and uh, loved the way he addressed tech issues. He's also enjoyed Game of Thrones and Love Grossman's The Magicians. I'm quickly running out of recommendations for his growing interest. I'd love to hear your thoughts on what he should try next. Bonus points if you can sneak in some feminism. Okay. So before we get to that answer, we're going to do our first sponsor, uh, which is Penguin Books. The title is Once We Were Sisters, and this is by Sheila Kohler. And this is cool. This is a nonfiction uh, title. It's a literary memoir. We don't get a lot of nonfiction sponsors uh, for the show, I've just realized. Um, But this is kind of a heavy one. It's uh, when Sheila Kohler was 37, she got a call that her sister Maxine has has died, and what happened was Maxine's husband drove them off a deserted road, like a back road in Johannesburg, and killed her. Um, so she flies home immediately, uh, Sheila does, to find out what happened and kind of sort through her grief, and while she's there, she has to start dealing with the kind of lingering effects of their unusual childhood. Their, their father died early, their mother wasn't the best parent, um, so their childhood had some difficulties and a couple of sort of unusual elements and so the book is really a tribute to the bond of sisterhood and specifically the sisterhood obviously um and about how that bond can change but never really break even after or if unfortunately one of them passes away before the other um so do check that out if you are into memoirs or nonfiction. that's once we were sisters by sheila kohler from penguin books thank you for sponsoring the show Okay, um, so since I'm talking, I'll just keep going. So, hard sci-fi. Uh, my first pick for you is The Three-Body Problem by Sen Liu. It's translated by Ken Liu. Um, this is, like, the hardest of science fiction. Uh, almost every character in this book is a theoretical physicist, and... It's just so much physics. Like, so... I didn't understand some of it, but it doesn't take away um, from the story at all. So it starts in the Cultural Revolution, in China's Cultural Revolution. Uh, You meet one of the main characters who is witnessing her father uh, be, like, executed, and then she gets taken off to a work camp for re-education and ends up, through a series of events, working on this, like, secret military project um, that you discover is about sending signals into space to try and establish contact with other life forms out there and then you bounce forward to the modern day and you're with another theoretical physicist um, who is kind of caught up in this strange situation where scientists are committing suicide oddly like people that he knows so the cops have brought him in and they want to send him undercover the only thing that they can um, like connect all these scientists, scientists who have died together with is that they were all playing this game online called the three body problem so they ask him to like go undercover into this game and try and figure out what is driving these um scientists uh to their deaths and so he goes into this game which is about a civilization that has three sons and how that affects their um ability to survive or not and so you have to like play this game and you have to be super brilliant to play the game and it's just all really complicated and then there are aliens so i'm making it sound like well because it is it's both hard science fiction but it's also a mystery like where did this game come from and what's behind it and how does this at all connect to this character we met at the beginning um and her secret government projects to find aliens uh and it's actually the first book in a trilogy so if he likes it you can continue so that's the three-body problem by shi sen lu all right rachel you are up
0: All right, fabulous. Um, Mine is also hard sci-fi with a military twist. I wonder how many sci-fi books fall under that umbrella, but probably (laughs) not because it's an amazing premise. Um, So my first pick for you is... Sleeping Giants by Sylvain Neuvel Uh, and full disclaimer I am not quite done with this book but I'm loving every second of it I'm listening to it on audio um, and I'm completely engrossed so the basic premise is there's a little girl who falls into a hole while she's out riding her bicycle in the middle of nowhere in, uh, North Dakota, maybe. Um, so anyway, she, when she's in the hole, she sees the palm of a giant metal hand that's surrounded by these glowing carvings. And then the book kind of cuts out to 17 years later, that girl is now a grown woman and a physicist, um, who is set on unraveling the secret of the hand once and for all. And she's got this cool team of people working with her, um, to, solve it with science and they're getting closer to the answers, but there's a dilemma and a twist. Um, as they get closer to discovering the truth, um, of what this giant metal hand is all about, um, they don't know if the answers will lead to lasting peace or mass destruction. Um, so the audio of this is so so superb. Um, the book is written in an interview format with like lots of case files and each chapter is set up um, uh, by telling you which case file you're now reading or listening to. Um, so I have heard that that format can wear thin in print, but on audio it works so well. It's like listening to an extended TV drama. Um, There's a full cast of voice actors. They're all perfectly casted. Um, The story moves really quickly and it's so juicy with all kinds of morality and ethics questions uh, wrapped up with this like military angle to this huge science question. And it just seems to me like a perfect storm um, of what your husband might be interested in and the um, female characters in this book are so strong, which I feel like even when there are a lot of female characters in science fiction books, that doesn't always mean that they're written authentically or with true strength, but I'm really, they are really ringing true to me in this book. I love the the female characters. Um, I think this would be a good one to slip in there to his to-be-read stack.
1: Okay, my second pick for you is based on uh, how you said he liked The Magician. So this is that kind of same, like, modern, updated magic weirdness going on. So it's Mr. Penumbra's 24-hour bookstore by Robin Sloan. It's a little bit more feel-good than The Magician's, and there's a lot less drug use. So there's that. Uh, the main yay. character, <laughs> Yay! <laughs> the main character's name is Clay, and he, he lives in San Francisco, and he's a web designer, but the recession has hit, and his job is pretty much going away. He can't find anything to do... Uh, with his degree or his education, he's running out of money, so he takes a job uh, in Mister Penumbra's Twenty Four Hour Bookstore, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's a twenty four hour bookstore in like a seedy part of town that's right next to a strip club, um, and so he works the night shift, to the overnight shift, and he realizes after a few days that something is super weird about this bookstore. There are never any customers, first of all, um, who like ever come in and buy anything, but there are these series of customers who come in and trade books for other books but not like normal books like books that are in a special section of the store that he's not supposed to touch or inspect and Mr. Penumbra requires him to write down in very like meticulous detail everything about these people when they come in what they took what they're uh, trading for what they were wearing um, this whole thing so he starts Clay starts using his web design skills to map the places in the store where people these people are taking books from it's like the same handful of people. And then he realizes that there's, like, some weird kind of conspiracy going on. Like, it shows him this code. Um, Then he meets a girl who works for Google, so he brings her into this mystery to help him solve it. And she brings, like, the power of Google's research uh, into cracking this weird situation that's happening in this, like, dusty bookstore in the middle of San Francisco. Uh, And it turns out there's, like an end-of-the-world scenario. There's a secret society uh, thing going on, and it just gets, like, bonkers, 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 bonkers. But in, like, a really fun, <laughs> nerdy, bookish kind of way, um, with, like, a nice dose of tech stuff, because they're at that whole Google angle. Not everything about the, the Google stuff is believable, but it is really entertaining, because, like, that character works... In the Google campus, so the book takes you, like, into those offices and, like, their cafeteria, which sounds really nice, um, and all that kind of stuff. So there is a nice techie angle. Uh, It's a cool combination of weird tech stuff and, like, really old-school, old-books, dusty corners old book smell kind of feel. Um, So it's a really fun book. I liked it a lot. My book club loved it. So that's Mr. Penumbra's 24-hour bookstore by Robin Sloan.
0: All right. And my second pick for you is The Girl with All the Gifts by M.R. Carey, which I believe is also uh, coming to the big screen here pretty soon. Um, So this would be a great one to read before that movie comes out. Um, The Girl with All the Gifts follows a child genius named Melanie who's locked in a military compound with other orphans in a kind of futuristic dystopian United Kingdom that's been ravaged by a viral outbreak. Um, And their knowledge of the world is seriously limited in this military compound, Um, but they do know that uh, the UK is being hunted by legions of what are called hungries. Um, So day-to-day, these child geniuses are... um, marched around from class to class, uh, with a small band of teachers and military personnel who keep them carefully isolated. Um, MR carry really kind of reveals slowly what's going on. So there's a nice build. It's pretty suspenseful, um, meanwhile, this little girl has big dreams about what she wants to be when she grows up with all this potential for being a child genius. Um, but this is making her teacher really sad and she doesn't know why her dreams about the future would be making her teacher so sad. Um, so this is, is again, grapples with some really, um, juicy ethics questions. Uh, there is a lot of creepy sciency stuff going on that's revealed slowly, um, and the. The lady characters are really rad, again, with the really strong rad lady characters. So um, this, again, would be a good one to slip into the stack. Um, some read uh, if I don't know if he's ever read any Justin Cronin or Neil Gaiman, um, but it kind of hits that same spot that those authors are hitting. Um, the ending is really twisty and satisfying. Um, I didn't see the twist coming, and uh, it's, it's just an exciting Suspenseful, um, entertaining read. And on the audio, the audio is narrated by Judy Dench's daughter. Uh, Her name is, yeah, her (laughs) name is Finchie Williams, and she's amazing. She has a huge range. Um, She can make characters seem like monsters in one moment and like misunderstood heroes in the next moment. And her British accent is just very, extremely charming. Um, So she's a huge bonus in the audiobook of The Girl with All the Gifts by M.R. Carey.
1: Okay, question two. Uh, Rachel's going to read that for us.
0: Yeah, um, question two. So this question is from Kathleen. And Kathleen is on the lookout for easy listening fiction audiobooks. Uh, She writes, I listen to audiobooks while driving to work and need books that are not too dense yet engaging. I tend to listen to nonfiction because the language is easier to follow and I won't be lost if I'm distracted momentarily from the story while driving. Uh, but sometimes I get tired of nonfiction and need a fictional story. <laughs> In the past, I have just listened to YA because the plot lines and language are generally pretty simple. But sometimes the characters and storylines are flat and not that satisfying. Okay, so I think I'm first up here with a recommendation. And I just have to say I completely relate to this question The more I've listened to audiobooks, I think there is kind of an art to finding the perfect fit for fiction that works well on audio. Um, Not every fiction story does work well on audio, um, so I love talking about ones that do. And my first pick for you is Big Little Lies by Liane Moriarty. Um, This is a satire about Australian suburbanites in a beachside community and the ongoing scandals at their children's uh, snobby private school. (laughs) And what I love about this book is that it somehow manages to be like funny and frothy, but it's also very um, dark and has a really deep, um, I mean, there are a lot of really deep me questions that this book um, asks throughout the course of the story. So I think this will get a little bit um, at what you were saying you were missing In some of the YA books that you tried, not that YA books don't have that side to them, but this, I mean, there's some true um, adult themes going on here that I think you will appreciate. So this book is about three women who become unlikely friends. There's a divorcee whose ex and his new yogi wife have just moved back to town, so... That's always fun when that happens. Um, There's a shy beauty whose family life looks perfect on the outside, but um, she has dark secrets of her own. And then there's a disheveled single mom who sticks out like a sore thumb at her daughter's or her son's new snobby private school. Um, So the other two women take uh, this third woman on their wing. And so you get this nice dynamic of their friendship building. Um, But then things get really juicy when there's a mysterious death at a school fundraiser. And the police can't seem to solve what happened. No one is giving any useful information, and so the ongoing question is: Did no one really see what happened, uh, or are they all just playing dumb to protect someone else? This again is another one that's really fun on audio. It's read by an Australian narrator, um, and it just flies by. It's a good listen. Um, It it translates really well to audio. I think that you will have some good luck with this one. This is Big Little Lies by Leanne Moriarty.
1: Okay, so I had the same, or had rather, the same problem when I I first started listening to audiobooks is that I could not get into fiction because I was so easily distracted. So um, the book that really convinced me to to get into fiction on audio was The Collected uh, Stories of Sherlock Holmes um, by, oh gosh, oh my gosh, Who wrote Sherlock Holmes? Why is my brain, like, not... Arthur Arthur Conan Doyle. Holy mother of... Anyway. Um, So, the reason why this works for me, and I think will work for you, is because, uh, first of all, they're mysteries, right? So, obviously. So, they're very fast-paced, and you get engrossed, but you don't have to pay attention to every single detail because it's not on you to solve it. At the end of the story, you find out who did it one way or the other, whether you got distracted by like your kid in the backseat screaming or not. Um, So there's always, there's going to be like a wrap up no matter what you've been uh, missing. Um, Also, since they're short stories, you don't have to pay attention for hours and hours and hours. So if you're just kind of like practicing or um, exercising your audiobook muscle or your ability to pay attention to a, a narrated story that someone's essentially reading to you out loud, then a short story is a great way to start doing that, to kind of get get used to that feeling, especially when you've started listening to fiction. I'm not going to explain the plot to any Sherlock Holmes stuff to you, because obviously. Um, so... You can, if you have an Audible subscription, you can get the that there obviously, but um, your library probably has like a giant CD collection of the collected Sherlock Holmes on on audio, which is how I first listened to it. Or you can go to Librivox, um, and I'm pretty sure they're in the public domain. Librivox is like a crowdsourced um, free audiobook narration service where you can download like classics and stuff like that. So that's just the collected Sherlock Holmes by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle
0: fabulous. Um my second pick for you is Crazy Rich Asians by Kevin Kwan, which is one of my favorite audiobooks of all time. Um it's this gossipy hilarious novel about Singapore's most rich and famous, and at the heart of this book um are Rachel and Nick. They are both young academics who live in New York. They've been dating for a couple years and things are getting kind of serious. Um, But they still haven't met each other's families yet. So they decide to take a romantic trip to Singapore, where Nick is going to be the best man in his friend's wedding. This is the first time Rachel's going to meet Nick's family, um, about whom she knows next to nothing. So you can imagine the stakes are pretty high. However, there's a catch, which is that Rachel has no idea that Nick is uh, the child of one of Singapore's richest families and is considered the most eligible bachelor in the country. So oh, it's shenanigans, schemes, and gossip ensue. Uh, I really love this book. To me, it's like Edith Wharton meets Gossip Girl set in Oof, Singapore. What a pitch. <laughs> a, yeah, with a dash of Emily Gilmore in there. Um, I don't know. It's completely funny and original and... To me, it has this quality that I've come to think of as a strong narrative voice. Um, It's just, it's like you're listening to someone talk to you. It doesn't get caught up on any of that really beautiful flowery literary language that is often appealing on the page, but on audio, I don't think that works really well. So it has just a strong narrative voice that's fun to listen to. It's engaging. It's chatting. It's chatty. It has a strong perspective. It's kind of like these, this book was meant to be read out loud. Um, and it's full of breezy humor, backstabbing relatives. Uh, and the narrator does a fabulous job with effortless, effortless accents from all over the globe. Um, this is one that I think anyone would enjoy in the car.
1: All right. Um my my second pick for you like Don't start laughing already, because I mean this. It's The Da Vinci Code by Dan Brown, which is amazing. And if you've listened to any of our podcasts for any length of time, you know we are like solidly Team D Brazil around here. Um, And I picked this one for similar reasons, actually, to why I picked uh, Sherlock Holmes. The chapters are super short, so you can exercise that audiobook uh, muscle of paying attention to fiction um, as opposed to nonfiction. And every chapter ends in like a really intense cliffhanger, so you will find yourself like just continuing to listen despite yourself like it's not a thing where you have to fight to pay attention because it's fiction and you don't know what's going on and you've missed all these details like he catches you dan brown is really really great at that he catches your attention and he keeps it whether you're reading it on the page or listening to it on audio but if you're listening to it on audio it's like you're in the movie it's so much fun um so i kind of feel like i don't need to explain the plot of this either but in case you like really have no idea what the da vinci code is about it's about a harvard symbologist his name is robert langdon it's kind of this, like, dorky, awkward, prof- professorial-type guy. He gets a phone call in the middle of the night that one of his friends, who is the curator at the Louvre, has been murdered, and his body is, like, covered in all these weird symbols, and he's left this note. Um, no, it's not a note. He uh, Robert Langdon was, like, the last person in his appointment book or something like that. So the cops call him in to try to decipher all these clues, and then he gets paired up with um, a French cryptologist named Sophie, who is also the victim's granddaughter, to, like, comb through all these riddles and then it sends them off on this like wild goose chase of solving puzzles and it's a uh, kind of like a what's that thing where you solve a puzzle after a puzzle and it'll lead you to a new thing mm. scavenger hunt it's like a scavenger hunt kind of you thank you thank <laughs> you i'll find it and then there's a uh, like lots of dashes of secret societies and weird stuff going on with like religion and maybe jesus has a child i don't know there's like weird religious conspiracy theories um going all the way back to like sir isaac newton and before that to um to the the knights templar and all that kind of stuff all all of those strange religious conspiracies that you've heard about or that like the history channel runs questionable documentaries about all wrapped up in this really fast-paced kind of mystery thriller that's just a lot of fun so that's the da vinci code by dan brown oh is it my turn Yes, okay. It is. Woo-hoo. <laughs> All right, question three. This is from Buffalo Mo, which is the greatest name that anyone's ever given writing into this show. Um, okay, so Buffalo Mo says, um, let's see, my partner claims that if I spent the same amount of time listening to audiobooks that I do, the, the podcast, I'd be through the Russian classics by now. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyhow, I'm a trail worker gearing up for another season in the backcountry, and I'm looking for some bookish weight to carry out with me. I love quiet novels with long, winding descriptions of the great outdoors. My all-time favorite is A River Runs Through It, and I also enjoyed Outselling Horses, The Buried Giants, and Everything by Wendell Berry. Any ideas, I could especially go for some female protagonists. Okay, so I'll just keep going. Um, my first pick is, does not have female protagonists, I'm sorry, but it's Barkskins by Annie who who is just, like, an expert at writing The Great Outdoors. Um, so this is a historical fiction. It takes place in the 17th century, and it's about two young Frenchmen who arrive in New France um, with no money, nothing to their names. And so they bind themselves to a feudal lord for three years in exchange for some land eventually. And so during their period of servitude, they become woodcutters, which is colloquially known as barkskins. Um, one of them... It ends up being forced to marry an indigenous woman, and their dis- like their kids get trapped between these two cultures of like their indigenous ancestors and also um, their father's French culture. The other. The other main character runs away from his indentured servitude and becomes a fur trader, and it eventually sets up his own timber business. And then the story is, like, the tale of these two guys and their families over 300 years. And it bounces, like, all over the world. New Zealand, China, um, North America, of course. It's super brutal. Um, there's a lot of man-against-nature survival stuff going on here. Um, and up until... Now, it's it's like very subtly, maybe not subtly, depending on your perspective, I guess, about um, human beings using up ecological resources too fast, but like set in the 17th century. So I feel like that this is would be a really Ooh. interesting thing to read when you're like out on the trail doing a thing working in nature. So Annie Prue is just a genius about writing about like the great outdoors and um, men like doing the thing and figuring out stuff about themselves and the nature of humanity while they're like on horseback. So that's Barkskins by Annie Pru.
0: Nice. Okay. So my first pick for you. And as soon as I read your question, I wrote this down on my little cheat sheet with like five exclamation points. (laughs) Um, It's the signature of all things by Elizabeth Gilbert. Um, So first off, just because Everyone who sees you reading this book will want to talk to you about their thoughts, feelings, opinions, etc. Eat, pray, love. Um, So I just want to say, whatever your thoughts and feelings are about Elizabeth Gilbert and Eat, Pray, Love, just leave any expectations at the door and approach this huge historical novel with a clean slate. Um, So when you said quiet novels with long, winding descriptions of the great outdoors. With a female protagonist, this is it. So this is an old-timey, swashbuckling, epic adventure tale that follows Alma Whitaker. She is a girl born to a self-made botanical entrepreneur during the Age of Enlightenment. Um, And rather than spending all this time talking about her young courtships, um, Elizabeth Gilbert speeds right past that part and gives us a single Alma in her 40s and 50s, um, learning, growing, studying, traveling, and living an all-around full and fascinating life um, surrounded by crazed scientists, explorers, missionaries, and geniuses. Uh, I really love that this book has long, beautiful sections on botany, astronomy, and traveling the world. So Alma travels around the world collecting rare specimens. Um, her, for her work, it's a botanist. And in her travels, um, she just beholds the world in all of its great beauty. Um, when you say long, winding descriptions, this is it. They're beautiful. They're lyrical. Um, and the supporting characters are all fantastic. The audiobook uh, narrator gives a great performance. You can't go wrong with the signature of all things by Elizabeth Gilbert.
1: Cosign, I love that book so much. Right? Like, how often are you going to get like the, like a, a huge epic novel about a fifty year old single lady who loves moss? Like, that's just right. so, It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Okay. Um. All right. So my next pick for you is to the bright edge of the world by Awen Ivy, who wrote. Oh uh, no. My brain is just not functioning today. Oh, The Snow Child, that's what it's called. Uh, who wrote The Snow Child? And so she's really, really great at writing very nature-centric books set in Alaska, in, like, very cold sort of winterscapes. So, To the Bright Edge of the World is her more recent book. It's uh, set in the 19th century, and it's in the Alaskan, not outback, that's not the right word, but, like, wilderness. It's in the Alaskan wilderness, and it has both a female and a male main character, two main characters, um, and you're bouncing back and forth between their respective journals. Um, So, it's a married couple. Colonel Forrester has gotten a commission to take a small group of men and go out and learn how to navigate the Wolverine River in the Alaskan wilderness. It's uncharted. It's also kind of the key to opening up Alaska to the outside world. And this is, like, right before the gold rush. And so um, he knows that this could, like, make or break both his career and his, like, family name. So he's going off to do this thing. He's leaving at home Sophie, who is his pregnant wife. She has suffered a personal, and intense personal loss and does not relish the idea of spending a year by herself, um while her husband is out, like, having an adventure. And she starts to really buck against that, the constraints of her gender. She starts getting interested in photography as a way to um, mitigate her boredom with her standing. Um, And the more, the better she gets at that, and the more it takes her into nature, because she's photographing mostly nature, uh, the more it takes her, like, out by herself into the wilderness, which is completely inappropriate for a woman uh, during this time, the more the community around her starts to shun her. And then she sets up a... um, dark room in her pantry which like the other women take to be like a symbolic spit in their eye um which it kind of is and it's not so much symbolic she maybe is doing it on purpose anyway uh, so you bounce back and forth between sophie's journals dealing with all that and then colonel forrester's journals um navigating this intense horrifying scary really super dangerous mission in the alaska wilderness so that's to the bright edge of the world by aon ivy
0: all right. My second pick for you is Sweetland by Michael Crumme. Um and This does not have a female uh, protagonist, but it is amazing. Um, and I think it hits a lot of the sweet spots that you were looking for. So this is set in a small island community in Newfoundland. Um, they're facing resettlement, and the government has offered everyone a generous compensation package to leave. But of course there's a catch. Um, everyone has to agree to go. The government is refusing to be responsible for that one crazy person, um, who wants to make a go of it on a deserted island all by themselves. Um, but this is, you know, this is a community that this is the only home they've ever known. They have lived and died together through 12 generations of love and heartbreak. Um, but the compensation package is really attractive. So they all do reluctantly give in and agree to take the settlements. But there is that one crazy person that, um, is refusing to go. So that is Moses Sweetlands. And he, you know, he's haunted by his memories of the Island. He's concerned about what will happen to his family. um, if they leave and go to the mainland. Um, so he's the holdouts and he, does eventually sign under pressure, but, and I, these aren't spoilers. This, this isn't the kind of book where there are spoilers and this all happens in the first part of the book anyway, but he um, does eventually sign and he fakes his own death. Um, so that he can stay on the island. So, and this is where those long, beautiful passages about the ravages of weather, surviving off the land, um, and life on a place that nature is brutally reclaiming um, all sets in in that last part of the book. And when, again, when you're talking about long, winding descriptions of the great outdoors, this book is so beautiful. Um, uh if you haven't read a lot of Canadian literature, it has a definite, um, you know, there's a, there's a definite voice and style to it that it might be different from what you're used to, and it's just the descriptions of nature are so awe inspiring and beautiful, and. When you're going out on the trails and you're wanting that long, windy nature book, um, this is going to be that. Uh, it's so good on audio. The narrator has a really charming Newfoundland accent. Um, that is, again, Sweetland by Michael Crummy. All right. Okay. Next question is someone who cheated by asking two questions, but (laughs) whose name I did not write down.
1: So sorry. Okay.
0: (laughs) All right. We don't know who you are, but we'll just call you cheater. Just kidding. Okay. So this person, uh, in the first question, um, she writes or he writes, I don't know. Um, my grandmother has Alzheimer's she can no longer read books on her own. I want to try and find a couple books to read aloud to her, or audiobooks she can listen to when I'm not around. Um, unfortunately, because of the disease, she because of the disease she has issue remembering long, complicated plot lines. I think short stories might help. And a few other books that she's liked in the past are Persian Fickle Club, Bel Canto, and the Outlander series. And then this is funny. Um, they write, though she loved Outlander, I'd like the stories to be PG because, well, I'm reading them aloud to my grandmother. <laughs> so we will address that question. And then uh, the second question is um, that this person is always looking for a new book to pick up. Um uh they read Ready Player 1 at the beginning of the year and loved it um let's see basically they just want a good book to read mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. There are just a lot of examples of books that this person has read Ready Player 1 um, Station 11 Time Traveler's Wife um they love Anne Patchett uh but okay so this person is not a big genre fiction fan they like their fiction to be somewhat connected to the real world with fantastical elements So there you have it. All (laughs) right. My first pick, um, to read with your grandmother is Winesburg, Ohio by Sherwood Anderson. So this was written in 1919. Um, so nearly 100 years ago. Uh, and it's considered a masterpiece of short stories concerning life in a small town at the end of the 19th century. So I think the short stories will work well with the issues that you've described of issues with memory and keeping up with a long novel. So it's short stories. Um, and in these stories, the solitary inhabitants of Winesburg, Ohio, are they struggle to express their feelings. They can't express their longings, their joys, and their limitations in the ways that they would want to. So looking to find release for all these pent-up feelings, um, they go to the town reporter, his name is George Willard, and they think that because he's a reporter that he has special powers of expression and can help them find release. So they turn him into their confidant, and kind of burden him with all of their, um, frustrations and suffering and also their love. And so it's kind of a quiet book, um, because it was written in 1919. Um, it might have some more mature themes, but it's not going to be, you're not going to be reading a Game of Thrones sex scene to your grandma, you know, (laughs) um, it's going to have, um, a little more tame content in that regard. Uh, and, you know, it's just a really—it's a classic book that has influenced countless American writers. Um, I think it would be a good one for your grandma, either with you reading it aloud or um, on audio. There's some really great audio versions of this one, and that's Winesburg, Ohio by Sherwood Anderson.
1: Okay, I also picked a kind of classic short story writer of small-town life, but the South. So I'm going with Flannery O'Connor. Um, but there i mean she's got tons of short story collections out there the complete stories is the biggest and probably most well known one because it's all of them obviously um but you can find any number um of collections of her short stories that contain some or all of them um i'm more like just suggesting her in general, as opposed to any one particular collection. So, uh, Flannery O'Connor is hilarious, which I think is useful when you're reading something out loud to somebody. Because I can, I get really bored when I'm reading out loud, um, and so like a little bit of humor helps. She's also super sarcastic, um, also helpful. Um, so, Flannery was writing in the early-ish 20th century. Um, about southern culture and so there's a lot of really pointed critiques of racism of small town bigotry Um, but there's also some really pointed critiques of like intellectualism and people who um, like artistic types who come to the south and then judge everybody else without knowing anything about them Uh, she also has a tendency to um, show the more kind of bizarre sides of human psychology, but in like a really funny way, and her dialogue is really snappy. The, her her language is not complicated. It's easy to follow. They're short stories, so she's not gonna get wrapped up any complicated plot lines. Um and there are a lot of her stories are very affecting in like a you'll get very angry, you'll experience some strong emotions when you're reading them, but there's no um they're PG. <laughs> so you're not going to have any, like like Rachel was saying with the Anderson, you're not going to have any uh, awkward moments when you're reading out loud to your grandmother. Um, so the complete stories, but really anything written by Flannery O'Connor.
0: Fabulous. Okay. And for you, um, I, this was a little hard because it, it was a little bit of a convoluted question, which you said in your letter, but I think you gave us some good stuff to work with. So for you, I picked A Tale for the Time Being by Ruth Ozeki. Um, You said that you like books that have fantastical elements, but that are also really connected to the real world. And you named Station Eleven as a book that you've really read and loved. So this is that realistic book With fantastical elements. Um, In the book, there's a chatty Japanese teenager who decides to start keeping a diary about her great grandmother. So, her great grandmother is really, she's this cool Buddhist uh, who lives in a temple and lives this really ascetic life, Um, but is just like a really warm, wonderful person, and is the one person in her great granddaughter's life who really understands her and makes her feel loved. Um, so this teenager starts keeping this diary about her great grandmother's life. Um, but through a weird course of events, um, she loses the diary and it floats across the ocean in a plastic bag to wash up on the coastline of British Columbia. And there it's discovered by a writer named Ruth Mm -hmm. who becomes totally obsessed with this great grandmother's life and, and the life of this teenage girl. Great granddaughter who's writing about it. So um, it starts out as this wacky and charming story, but it totally dives off the cliff. Um, it gets really dark and difficult with big existential questions about war, disaster, and suffering. So it's going to hit those same notes that you get in Station 11, which has like this cheerful band of like Shakespearean actors in a post apocalyptic world, but then like has those dark aspects too. Um, and there's just also so much good stuff about Pacific Northwest Island life and the beauty and cruelty of nature there on the island. Um, this, I mean, this is a book that I would recommend to literally anyone. It's just amazing. Um, but because you like those real world stories with fantastical elements, I especially think that you would love a tale for the time being by Ruth Ozeki.
1: Okay. So I latched on to your statement about how you like fiction to be connected to the real world with fantastical elements and so I went with uh, Labyrinth Lost by Zoraida Cordova for this one it is YA um, and it's about Alex who lives in Brooklyn with her mother and her sisters, her two sisters, and her family um, is a family of brujas, they are witches and the magic in this um, family is very it's like very gritty but also very natural like it's just their culture, it's how they grew up Um, It's kind of all that she knows, but she doesn't want it. It turns out she's super, super powerful, but doesn't want it because she thinks that um, magic is what drove her father away. She wants to kind of just live like a normal life um, and not have to deal with um, being what she considers kind of weird um, or putting people that she loves in danger. She just doesn't want it. So her death day celebration comes, which is a day um, where they summon the spirits of their ancestors to bless this new bruja and, like, direct her powers towards a certain, um, not direction, but, like, give her powers, like, some sor- a source of energy, basically, the spirits of her ancestors. And so when she's at this celebration, she performs a spell to get rid of her powers instead. So she's using this uh, ceremony as, like, a way to maybe get rid of the stuff she doesn't want. So it backfires. Her whole family disappears into thin air Um, and so she goes on this quest to save them. She takes with her uh, a boy that she just met named Nova who's a brujo but she doesn't trust him. Uh, She doesn't know him first of all. And so um, she she pays him to like escort her into the other realms so she can save her family. Um, Also her best friend whose name I can't remember but she's really funny. I don't remember her name. Anyway, her best friend like accidentally stumbles into this other realm also after her, like, searching for Alex. So she's got the the two of them with her as she goes on this quest to figure out who she is, what she wants, and to save not just her family, her living family, but also, like, everyone she knows who came to her party and the spirits of all of her ancestors. Um, So it's this big, like, epic Lord of the Rings-style quest, but with, like, a really sassy girl from Brooklyn (laughs) in modern day, which is really nice. It's very rooted in real life of a teenager but it does have all of these super cool magic elements um and i liked that the magic in this world isn't um it isn't lord of the ringsy it's not like based on european concepts of what magic is supposed to look like so that's labyrinth lost by zoraida cordova Okay. Um, is that it? Yeah. Oh, okay. So we're going to do our second sponsor before we go on to our fifth question. So our second sponsor is quite appropriate. It's Penguin Random House Audio. Perfect. Uh, and so for the new year, they are focusing on books about self-care and self-improvement or self-help, however you want to put it, books about improving your life. So they have inspiring audiobooks for pretty much every aspect of your life that you're trying to fix not fix but like improve or work on in the new year so if you are taking a more spiritual track um, they have options for that they have You Are the Universe Deepak Chopra's book they have On Living by Carrie uh, Carrie Egan Um, or if you are just trying to improve like your health and fitness kind of stuff. They've got books about, like, The Case Against Sugar, which I've read and it was really interesting. That's by Gary Taubes. Um, They have Smarter, Faster, Better by Charles Duhigg, which is an interesting book about the power of productivity and how um, people make themselves smarter, faster, better, basically. Like, Charles Duhigg wrote The Power of Habit, which is another really helpful one um, about how habits are formed. And so Smarter, Faster, Better kind of builds on that. Um, So no matter what you're trying to... Improve in your life in the new year, there is a book for you. So you can go to slash self care for listening suggestions uh, and, you know, live a more balanced life in 2017, which we, I feel like we all need a little bit of mm-hmm. zen this year. So go check that out. Um, okay, so thank you for sponsoring the show. And we're going to move on to question five. Um, question five is from Scarlett, and she says, My mom used to read a fair amount when she was younger but fell out of the habit. She had RA surgery that hurt instead of help, so now reading gives her a headache and is very uncomfortable. If she would give them a chance, I think she might like audiobooks. Um, I only listen to nonfiction fiction audiobooks, which is not something my mom is interested in, so I don't know of any good books to recommend. She loves Stephen King. Um, excuse me. She once mentioned that she used to like Danielle Steele. Her favorite book of all time is Gone with the Wind, so I thought a book about the South might be nice. She likes the Southern Belle thing, hence my name, and also loves Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Okay. So my first... Pick for You is maybe a little on the nose, but I had to recommend it. It's Scarlet by Alexandra Ripley, which is the sequel to Gone with the Wind. Obviously not written by Margaret Mitchell, because Margaret Mitchell was dead. And this came out in the 90s. And it is so soapy. Like, if your mom likes Daniel Steele, I feel like this book will be so perfect. Because it is, it's so, like, I don't know, it's like a soap opera-ish set in, in, like, the Gone with the Wind world, except it doesn't all take place in the South. In this book, um, you know, if you remember at the end of Gone with the Wind, I'm sp- I'm about to spoil Gone with the Wind for any of you who are worried about that, um, Rhett Butler goes off into the sunset and leaves Scarlet to her own devices because she's a horrible human being and he's tired of it. So this picks up, like, pretty much right there. Like, I'm pretty sure the opening chapter of Scarlet is... Scarlett O'Hara is sitting on the stairs of their house in Atlanta while Rhett is storming off. Um, and so then it follows, like, Rhett, I think, leaves and goes back to Ireland, and Scarlett goes to Ireland to kind of reconnect with her family on her father's side and also to, like, get Rhett back. And this is the whole point of the book, is she is off to get Rhett back. And it's like, I hate that. I don't know if, like, I don't mean this bad, but it's super trashy. Like, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's, like, entertaining and melodramatic and just... Over the top, which fits because Scarlet O'Hara is melodramatic and over the top. And I feel like it's kind of a must read for anybody who's like a really big Gone with the Wind fan, which you must be if you named your child Scarlet. I my son's name is Rhett, so like I totally get it. Um and it's it's not a great book, but it's like great. It's like so bad that it's good, if that makes sense. Like how pugs are so ugly that they're cute. <laughs> like you just it's like delicious and waffle and totally weird and I just love it I just love it so much so that's Scarlet by Alexandra Ripley
0: that's amazing that sounds like the perfect mashup of Gone with the Wind meets Danielle Steele like if Danielle Steele wrote Gone with the Wind (laughs) I am sold like if you turn up the pulpiness to like max this is what you get nice I love it. Okay. I too loved this question because it kind of blew my mind when I was trying to think what to recommend to someone who lists as their major like favorite books, Stephen King, Daniel Steele and Gone with the Wind, but it kind of all makes sense. Um, so my first pick Uh, for her is Queen Sugar by Natalie Baziel, which is coming to TV soon and looks like really sexy and awesome. So this book is about uh, a woman and her 11-year-old daughter who they've been living in LA for years, but then um, her dad dies and mysteriously leaves her an 800-acre sugarcane plantation in rural Louisiana. So what do you do (laughs) just like (laughs) inherit an 800 acres sugarcane plantation? Um, She decides to go. Um, She recognizes it as a chance to start over. Um, So she takes her 11-year-old daughter with her, and they arrive just in time for growing season, ready to go. Um, So the hard reality is, though, that no amount of planning could prepare her for the hard reality of being a single- A black woman with her own cane farm in Louisiana, which um, as her grandmother tells her is like a white man's game. So, but she dives in, she's a strong woman taking over this family plantation and she's determined um, to get it right. So this sweltering summer unfolds and uh, as you do, she has to learn how to balance the overwhelming challenges of her farm with the demands of a homesick daughter. And she has this bitter, troubled brother that there's like shenanigans and nonsense going on with that, too. Um, that's kind of soapy and trashy and great. Um, and then there's also a budding romance that she's sure will mean nothing but trouble. So I think this book is a good fit because there's, you know, it's a strong woman taking over the family plantation. There's definitely that Southern Belle aspect to that. There's lots of smooching. There's a mysterious crime. And I think it hits a lot of those notes uh, that you're looking for. So that's Queen Sugar by Natalie Basile.
1: Okay, um, my second one is The Feathered Bone by Julie Cantrell, which I picked because it's a southern book, and it has kind of a Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil kind of feel to it, sort of, and that it's, like, dark, so maybe maybe not so much, but I really like it. So um, the main character's name is Amanda. She is a counselor and a mom, and she is a, uh, one of those um, chaperones. She's chaperoning her kid's class trip to New Orleans for Halloween. So she's there, and while she—her—wow— English is great to speak. Um, So while she's there, her child's best friend, so her daughter Sarah's best friend, um, they go to the restroom and then the best friend never comes out. So this little girl is missing on Amanda's watch. Um, And then she has to deal... With her guilt. And so there's that frantic, this happens in the very beginning, and then there's that frantic searching for her, for the little girl who's gone missing. um, And then it keeps going on, and then it keeps going on, and then it keeps going on. And then it's been a few years. And then Amanda is trying to keep her daughter, who blames herself, um, from like hurting herself from keeping the guilt and the depression from ruining her life. Her husband is verbally abusive. Um, and she's trying to keep him happy and keep her family together all while they're continuing to search for the little girl who's gone. And then Hurricane Katrina comes and they're hoping that this will flush the people out who have this little girl. Um, but then it doesn't. So it's like, what do you do when you have, when you feel so responsible for something tragic, like the worst thing that can happen to a parent um, on your watch, this happened and you know, these people and, and like, how do you deal with that guilt? And then also, How does a community rally around um, finding, like, that kind of tragedy? Like, it's not about, like, the good that comes out of it. That's not the point. But, like, what happens to human beings who don't have anything in common except they, like, live together when something like that happens? And interspersed between—it's mostly third-person narration, kind of from Amanda's point of view because she's the main character, obviously. And then interspersed between it is Sarah, the little girl who is out there somewhere, like, um, excerpts from her journal, which she writes to a sparrow. Um, So you know that she's alive this whole time. You know somebody has her. It's not a question of, like, did she fall into uh, the bayou and never come out? Like, you know that she's alive out there. Someone is keeping her for all of these years. Um, So you kind of know what happened to her, and the other characters don't. And you're just, like, watching that resolve itself. Um, So it is dark. There's a mystery. um, And it has a pretty kind of hopeful ending to it. Julie Cantrell is um, really good at writing, like, rays of light coming in through these really dark kind of books. So that's The Feathered Bone by Julie Cantrell.
0: That sounds really good. Um, My (laughs) next pick is kind of the completely opposite direction, but I think (laughs) think it fits really well, too. So um, what I recommend is The Southern Vampire Mysteries by Charlene Harris, um, also known as The Sookie Stackhouse Mysteries, that True True Blood was the TV show on HBO that was based on these books. So um, when I was thinking, like, what is Stephen King plus Daniel Steele plus Gone with the Wind? Like, Southern Vampire Mysteries just kind of made sense. So if you're not familiar with the premise of these books, um, it's about Sookie Stackhouse, who's a small-time cocktail waitress in small-town Louisiana. Um, She's kind of an outcast. She's quiet. She keeps to herself, um, doesn't get out much. And the reason is because she, hello, is a mind reader, (laughs) um, and that doesn't make her very popular in the small town social scene. Um, so she's going about her, this, this life, this isolated cocktail waitress life when she meets Bill who sweeps her off her feet. He's tall, dark, and handsome. And the best part is she can't hear a word that he's thinking, Um, the plot twist though, is that he happens to be a vampire. Uh, I guess the giveaway was that it's the Southern vampire mysteries. Um, but yeah, he's a vampire and he has a bad reputation. And hangs out with a seriously creepy crowd. So in this first book called Dead After Dark, uh, one of Suki's co-workers is killed. And she's worried that Bill is somehow involved and that she might be next. So this is going to have that same soapy, like awesomely trashy vibe that we were talking about a little earlier earlier. Um, I think, uh, you know, if she likes it, there are over a dozen books in the series, so she's going to be busy for a while with the Southern Vampire Mysteries by Charlene Harris that has lots of supernatural stuff, love triangles, and smooching. All right, last question. All right, last question. Um, So this is a person who recently moved a decent distance from their workplace and has the commute time is now doubled, so there's plenty of time to enjoy audiobooks on the car ride. The only problem is that they're a very visual person, and essentially has the attention span of a goldfish when it comes <laughs> to the story stuff. So, like an earlier, um, like an earlier uh, question, this person is looking for um, fiction books that work well on audio that don't require a huge attention span. So they do pretty well listening to nonfiction, specifically essay, memoir, short stories, um, where they can zone in and out and not miss major plot points. Um, But they have exhausted all the go-tos, Mindy Kaling, Amy Poehler, Tina Fey, and et cetera. Um, And they also love David Sedaris. So this person is looking for... um, some fiction to mix it up with. They think they know what it likes, what they like when it comes to nonfiction, but the fiction department is where they really struggle. So um, I have a couple things that I think you can try here. The first one is Heartburn by Nora Ephron. This is a book that I would recommend to literally anyone who is interested in audiobooks. Um, it's one of the best audiobooks of all time, in my opinion. Um, it's performed by Meryl Streep, and uh, the plot is kind of secondary to just how amazing this audiobook is. Anyway, so the premise is that seven months into her pregnancy, a woman catches her husband cheating on her with another woman. And this novel was inspired by Nora Ephron's own cheating husband, who did in fact cheat on her when she was seven months pregnant. And writing heartburn is what she did to get back at him. So Nora Ephron got a publishing contract and used her razor-sharp pen to process her feelings and get a small measure of revenge on her husband. So this is a true um, romanoclef is what uh, you might hear it called. So it's a novel in which real people or events appear with invented names, um, which is really great when you are doing... Um, sarcasm and satire and skewering. Uh, There are lots of revenge plots, failed therapy sessions. Um, And the really refreshing thing about this book is that Nora Ephron also skewers herself in the book, um, which is, you know, kind of balances all the venom on the page. Um, But it's not just venom. It's hilarious venom. Uh, (laughs) It's very satirical and very funny. And Meryl Streep is everything on the audio she puts as much character development and nuance and comedic timing into this audiobook as she has for any of her Oscar winning screen performances um so listen to this if you have any interest in a book about adultery revenge group therapy, and there's also like a cooking subplot. So there's lots of pot roast in this book as well. Um, so that's Heartburn by Nora Ephron.
1: Okay, we're almost out of time, so I'm going to go super fast, faster than usual, so I apologize. Okay, so because you said you liked In a Dark, Dark Wood because it was fast-paced and cut to the chase without lengthy lengthy descriptive paragraphs, I went with Intensity by Dean Koontz, which immediately starts in The action. So, um, the main character is China. She's staying at a best friend's house and, um, while it's, like, past midnight, everyone else is asleep and then a sociopath breaks into the house, kills everyone, and then kidnaps her. Um, so she doesn't, like, this is, like, you hit the ground running. This all happens in the first, like, five pages. And then it's just the story of her survival. So, he doesn't actually know that, um, she, he kidnaps her in accident, which is kind of, uh, complicated. She's staying in her best friend's house. So he takes her best friend uh, into his trailer and thinking that her best friend is still alive, China sneaks into the trailer to try to save her, but she's already dead. um, And now she's stuck in a trailer with this homicidal maniac. Um, And she has to figure out what to do. And because she doesn't, she decides not to um, try to escape because she can hear him talking to himself about another victim who he's got in his house. So she's going with him to try and save her so man this book is like from the beginning it's 400 pages long a kind of a long audiobook but from the beginning there's it's just action 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 it never stops there's no breathing space here at all so if that's a thing you need to keep your attention it's a good pick so that's intensity by dean Koontz.
0: All right. And my next pick for you is The Wangs Versus the World by Jade Chang. So this is the story of a wealthy immigrant family that loses their fortune in the financial crisis and regroups on a hilarious road trip across America. So this is like the all-American road trip story with an Asian-American family that I just love. Um, There's the embarrassing dad, the cold stepmother. There's an art world ingenue. There's this like great college bro character. And then my favorite is the millennial fashion blogger named Grace who like has a weird suicide obsession and steals blogging equipment from her boarding school. So um, in this book, Jade Chang just kind of develops all these characters and lets them you know kind of interplay with each other. Um, it's just a great character book and fun with the road trip angle. Um, the audiobook is great. Uh, there are snippets of Chinese sprinkled throughout the book and so you get to hear that on the audio. Um, and yeah, just a really fun, easy listen with some great depth to it as well. That's The Wings Versus The World by Jade Chang.
1: Okay, my last recommendation is Sphere by Michael Crichton, which is not quite a classic because it's not really old enough, but I just love it so much. Michael Crichton is the best. Um, so Sphere is a sci-fi action thriller um, wherein the main character, Norman, who is, a, he like specializes in um, dealing with the psychological trauma of people who have survived plane crashes. So he gets picked up by the Navy and taken out into the middle of the South Pacific under the, with the story that they've given him is that there's been a plane crash, so they need his help. But then he gets out there and there is no plane. It's, a spaceship <laughs> that has crashed into the ocean and it and based on like the soil analysis of the not soil but like the detritus you know around the craft they think that it's been there for at least 300 years but it's also communicating with like there's something in it uh that's communicating with people so a team of scientists goes down to the bottom of the ocean to figure out where this thing came from try to talk to the thing that's inside it, maybe figure out if it's from earth. Cause there's a theory that it's not a spacecraft. It's actually a time travel craft. Um, and so it's just this big mystery. And then the being that they're talking to via a computer, it like talks to them through their computer screens. Strangely um, turns out to essentially be a giant toddler um, who has the ability to kill all of them. So that's a fun twist, uh, but super Ooh, fast yeah. paced. Yeah. <laughs> so it's super fast paced. They have to try and like mollify this being and also survive uh for 300 pages uh and f- while at the same time figuring out where this craft thing came from so that's sphere by michael Crichton, and that's our show <laughs> Woo, okay so thank you so much for listening please go rate us on itunes or leave a review you can find us on social media i'm at i'm amanda nelson and i don't know your new twitter handle
0: i'm at rach underscore smalls
1: okay and thank you so much to our sponsors for sponsoring the show and we will talk to y'all next week